Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Toby. We're the co-founders of Ask Us For Ideas, or Alfie as most people call it, where we help the world's most ambitious businesses, large or small, to connect with a collection of the best and most exciting creative agencies from around the world. Being at the intersection of these brands and creative teams for the best part of a decade has allowed us to get to know some truly exceptional people. This podcast, Private Views, aims to shine a light on that, with the first series publishing conversations inside some of the industry's most exciting creative studios, digging deep, looking beyond their portfolios, and into their unique experiences and thought processes. In this episode, we visit Rowan Co. to celebrate a design agency with an all-too-rare makeup an all-female leadership team. And I, and I do think that obviously a lot of women want to come work for us, and maybe those women feel much more passionate and driven to work for us because they want so desperately to work under female leadership. Rowan Adams decided to create her studio after only a few years working as a graphic designer and has built an agency that not only produces some achingly beautiful work for the likes of MAC Cosmetics, Kate Spade, Clinique and Google, but has also stepped into a role as an advocate on behalf of the many talented women in the industry, often speaking of her own experiences in a male-dominated world. On top of all of this, they found the time to launch their own magazine, Romance Journal, a publication devoted to exploring truth and raising our collective consciousness. Our producer, David Mission, visited their office in New York, Soho, to hear some lessons for starting a business, the fundamental importance of good office culture, and the value, for all of their clients, of understanding life under the male gaze. I am Rowan Adams. I am the Chief Creative Director of Rowan Co. Um, it's a creative agency in New York City. So back in um, 2006, um, I, have, I had been working at Wolf Olins, a um, London-based agency um, with an with a office in New York City, and had been working there for about three and a half years on many incredible, big, um, multinational brands, and just felt this urge to go out on my own and work really directly with clients. I had, a, I had this feeling that I was missing out on um, working with all the talented and incredible people in New York City that I knew, you know, through networking or through going out to parties and um, my friend group. I felt like, you know, they were just getting started on their brands um, and their, you know, projects and wanted wanted my help. So I had been doing a lot of freelance work nights and weekends after, after hours um, and just got to a kind of a breaking point where... I realized I had enough clients, freelance clients, that I could potentially go out on my own, um, forego a salary, and um, you know try it out and see how it would go. I thought, you know, I'm 25 years old; I have nothing to lose. She's such an inspiration to so many females in this um, industry. Um, she is a real inspiration to the team here too. Like people come to work here because of who she is. Um, but I think personally beyond that, she's obviously incredibly talented. I, I think she's, um, you know, very warm and encouraging, um, but also gives direction really well with the client's work and it's very, very easy. Yeah, so my name's uh, Rebecca Angus-Smith um, and I'm the Managing Director at Rowan Co. And I also um, have a strategy background, so I run the strategy department as well. And what do you feel, what you think? 
draws clients to Rowan Co. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I think, um, I mean, the first thing is our work. Um, I know even when I started, you know, when, when I first started working at Rowan Co., I have to say the, the work speaks for itself. Um, but I think beyond that, uh, there's an authenticity. And I think our clients really enjoy that. I think, you know, both Ro and I, um, you know, have worked and particularly me have worked in, you know, a lot of different agencies and a lot of different clients. And I think that, um, you know, there was always kind of the show that the agencies put on, the new business show. And I, I just think that that's less relevant these days. I think clients are looking for a partner. They're looking for someone to be honest with them and truthful. Um, and I think that's why clients come to us. I think it's also sometimes why clients don't come to us. You know, if they're not looking for that, um, they're looking for the show, then, you know, that's also something that isn't necessarily aligned with who we are. But I think most of the time these days, clients are looking for, you know, honesty and um, rigor. And I think that's what we deliver to them. Right, in terms of the agencies that they work with, but also then to pass that attitude onto consumers or... Exactly. Their, their audience. And, and I think the other reason clients come to us is because, um, you know, we are a boutique agency and, and as much as clients choose us, we choose our clients. And I think um, the reason that we stay reasonably boutique is because Ro and I love to work on our clients' business, um, you know, and I think that allows us to get really deep with our business and to really kind of uh, make a difference. So... Um, you know, we get to, you know, have that really strong relationship with them, which is really enjoyable uh, and satisfying. Uh, I'm, I'm so interested to ask you and, and Ro about how you kind of, whether or not you identify as a kind of woman-led agent, because I think for Roanne, you know, in our conversations um, before, uh, before me coming here, that was something that she kind of brought up, and I was maybe a bit hesitant to be like, so you're a, a woman-led agency, what, do, you know, how's that? Um, but she, she kind of identified that as something that was important to her. And I was wondering what, what you, how you feel ab about that um, in, a, in an industry that's really you know, still very male dominated. Yeah, I mean, it's such an interesting kind of question. I think you know, both Rowan and I feel very strongly about it in some respects. Um, and, and the reason we've, I'm gonna kind of tell this answer in two parts, but the reason we feel very strongly about it is because we have worked in a male-dominated, um, you know, industry, and I've seen um, mistakes and I've seen leadership, bad leadership, and um, it's not because they're men; it's because that's the way society has kind of taught us to be. So, you know, yes, being a female-led. Um, agency is important, but what's more important we talk about is the masculine and feminine traits. So it's not about gender, it's more about, you know, a balancing of the traits and making sure that, you know, we do business that feels more collaborative, um, you know, more intuitive, allows for creativity, allows for vulnerability. Um, but also it's really important that we have a lot of the masculine traits that are more traditionally masculine anyway. You know, we, we have to have, you know, be driven, we have to be entrepreneurial, we have to have these processes in place. So, you know, I think, it, again, it's not about gender, it's more about just a rebalancing of the way that we create um, businesses um, and we look after our talent. I think the most important thing in, um, in an agency world is your talent. 
So if you look after them then um, and see their potential, then they grow and then they will do the things that, you know, help you to create your purpose, whether that's as an agency or as an individual. Um, if you, you know, if you don't treat them well, they won't do that. And, and I've lived it for 20 years where it's not necessarily been, been that way. So I think that's what's really important to Ro and I, more, th more than, you know, we're women kind of leading the charge. In saying that, I think we're also very proud of it. You know, we're proud that we're doing it. Do you think it's something that the, you know, from outside of Rowan Code, people looking in, do you think that's something that they kind of identify and feel is different about the agency? Look, yeah, I mean, I think, I think so. Um, it's interesting. I, I, I think that for us, um, you know, when our clients come to us, we do very masculine work and we do very feminine work. I don't think it's from that perspective, but... You know, if I'm being honest, I think people also know we're female-led and, and, you know, they, of course, think about that, um, you know, but I, I don't think it means that we only get kind of feminine brands. We do a lot of very neutral brands, a lot of democratic brands and a lot of masculine brands. And so I think it's, again, it's just going back to those traits and, and how you work and how you collaborate. So I'm Nikki Huffman, I'm the Senior Art Director at Rowan Co. What is it that you find inspiring? What kind of stands out about Row and Beck as individuals or about Rowan Co? I think that they are both brilliant and exceptional at what they do, and yet their approach to everything is like with such kindness and humility and balance. And I think that that's incredibly hard to find. I mean, I've worked with many, many amazing creative directors, and each and every time, I mean, there's always something that is a little bit off, and it's mostly rooted in a bit of power hungriness, I would say. You know, wanting to be the boss, wanting to, like, impose that self-will. And I, I've never actually minded it, really, because I've learned so much from each and every one. But the way that Ro approaches it specifically is so different. She certainly has a point of view. She will absolutely tell you everything. But it is really rooted in she thinks that this is best or she thinks aesthetically that this is best and it's always a matter of um, pushing things forward and there's truly no ego involved and I think that that's incredibly rare to find and just like really, really inspiring because I truly believe that like when that is decoupled, that's when really amazing work um, is created. Why do you think there's such a lack of, of this type of culture and attitude of, of, a, of a studio in the industry? I mean, it's a, clearly a successful model, yeah. and there's a lot of people, talent that kind of respond to that who want to work with it, and clients who want to work with you. Yeah. Um, why do you think, what, what's kind of preventing this from being a default, this kind of hu more human oh. environment? Oh my God, I've thought about this so much, actually, you have no idea. I really, really think that it's because people are scared that if realness or any emotion is brought in, that people will be less productive. I think that people really do think, just like detach yourself from your employees, like really work them as hard as you can. Don't listen to the concerns, don't listen to any of that. And to, to a degree, right? There's always like a balance, but I think people are just naturally nervous that if you unleash that, that it's gonna be like some floodgates where you have to listen to everyone's thing. I once had somebody tell me that he didn't think that the employees had to be happy. He's like, I've been thinking about this a lot recently. I don't know if I think that people have to be happy to do good work. And I completely disagree with it. I just really do. I know, especially as a creative, 
and you know too, right? Like when you're not feeling the work, when you're not feeling at your best, it's like very hard to tap into whatever that thing is that makes us all produce and like produce something that is different and kind of inspired. You have to be inspired to make inspiring work. I really believe it. You know, having spoken to other people who, here, um, you know, they spend a lot of time talking about how important the culture of the office is. Um, I was just wondering if you could, uh, you know, in, from in your words, kind of describe what that culture is and, and why that, you know, seems to be quite fundamental to just the business model, practically. I think that I came to a realization that no one on this team is any more important than anyone else. And I think that that was... Um, a huge learning for me to realize that I need to, to, to make sure that everyone down to the interns are treated with 100% respect and that I run this business with true integrity and make sure that everyone feels um, important and feels like they have a voice. And I hope that is the reality here because that's what I've always wanted for everyone. I think that it, it it took me a while to get to that place because like all business owners, when you're in any kind of um, feeling of stress or ambiguity, you tend to fall onto a defensive side and you tend to, you know, emanate that strength, that stress and that defensiveness to the rest of your team. So my job is to always lift myself up above the stress and the ambiguity and see that bigger picture so everybody else can at least feel a little bit of that. What's important for you in, in the work that you do? You know, what, what, is, what is kind of valuable to you about your, your role in supporting these brands? Okay. Um, I think, you know, fundamentally the the level of the design and the level of the thinking um, is, is something that I'm incredibly proud of. This team is able to produce incredible brand, brand strategy and equally incredible um, visual branding and design. Um, so I think that that's really our strength is in combining that strategic thinking the intuitive, you know, the gut thinking with that, like, rigorous, beautiful design practice. Um, so that's something that I'm incredibly proud of is that we have, we have strengths in all those areas, not just in design, not just in brand strategy, but in all of them. So, and I think that that's really what clients need today, especially with, you know, every brand has much more competition than they've ever had before, unless they're literally inventing a category. And even the brands that invent categories, by the time we're done doing the branding and the strategy, someone has come along to literally do the same exact thing that they're doing. Um, so, you know, unlike 12, 13 years ago, when you could be the, the sort of one brand in the shoe category that makes shoes like that, now there's 500 of them. So. Every brand needs that strategic thinking, that research and development, as well as distinctive branding that really sets them apart, um, or at least feels intrinsically like them. It feels distinct to them. So 
if even if you see in the marketplace that there's something that looks familiar or looks at least we're we're designing based on someone's on that brand's personal you know emotions personal drive personal things that they love as opposed to I just love this other brand and I want to copy that brand um, it's really important to us to create something that feels distinct specifically for that brand which is hard these days but we do it. <laughs> um, and quite, you know, uh, maybe almost uniquely, uh, you're, you're a kind of woman-led agency or, or an agency that's, that's staffed almost entirely uh, by women, plus Phil. Mm -hmm. And um, just wondering if that, how kind of conscious a decision was that for you or, or what does that mean for you? Or how do you, or do you identify with that in some way? Well, we definitely identify with being a female-led um, business, I, I didn't at first. When I went freelance, I was just a, you know, a freelance graphic designer, never thought of myself as a female-led practice. Um, then I started having interviews, like a Q&A just like this for a magazine or for a panel, and always kept getting asked that question, how do you feel about being a female-led business owner or a female-led studio? And I think that question started raising questions for myself. Um, which was, you know, how now that I've gotten to a place of, of feeling quite secure in my business and feeling, um, yes, truly like a female leader, how do, I, how do I help other women? How do I give back to that and make sure that they feel like they are on that similar path where they can feel like they can rise through the ranks and um, lead from the feminine and the masculine and understand what both of those sides of their personalities really are and understand where we all came from a very masculine-led um, society and business structures and how we can now sort of change the conversation and talk about how um, leading from the feminine can be just as strong, equally as strong as leading from the masculine. Um, so those are the kinds of conversations that we have in the office now, <laughs> which is really fun because we're kind of unearthing and realizing things about ourselves that we never really thought about from that perspective. Um, but the, the fact that my team is mostly women is not a conscious decision. Um, it's always been predominantly women, and I interview just as many men as I interview women. And more often than not, it just so happened that the women were more qualified for the role. And I, and I and I, and I do think that obviously a lot of women want to come work for us and maybe those women feel much more passionate and driven to work for us because they want so desperately to work under female leadership. Uh, without trying to kind of overanalyze it, what, what do you think is the difference in, you know, in an, you know, between an agency that's, you know, for a client that's maybe not necessarily operating within, you know, say the cosmetics industry, which is, you know, targeted mostly at women, um, in other circumstances, what do, what do you think is a, is a difference in, in a kind of female perspective or a female way of thinking? Um. Um, I think that, you know, the past, at least in fashion and in beauty, so much of it has been through the male gaze um, and, and, and the male perspective of what beauty is, the male perspective of what, um, you know, your aspirational um, model or human being is and now it's shifting and it has been shifting but now it's really shifted to um, that female gaze 
and what women think are uh, is considered beautiful and considered um, exciting to pay attention to. Um, so it's it's not as if I didn't have that masculine perspective. I did. Um, when I first started art directing photo shoots, I was inspired by male photographers like Guy Bourdin. You know, I was into the idea of women, um, you know, splaying over the sofa and looking sexy. And um, I mean, I'm still interested in that. If, for example, one of our, um, one of the featured women in Romance Journal wants to look sexy in, the, in her photo, that is 100% allowed. It's not, it's, I am not going to imply it, I'm not going to tell them to do it, and I'm not going to not tell them to do it. Um, what's different is I'm not going to hire models for a photo shoot now and ask them to, to, to do sexy things if that's not what the strategy calls for, if that's not what the um, intention of the business calls for. And so there is like, there's a difference now, I think. And there is a, there's a sensitivity around, you know, making sure that um, we're speaking to a diverse audience, we're speaking to women of color, we're speaking to women of all sorts of shapes and sizes. Um, and that sensitivity is, is, is an amazing thing for all of us now. It's, a, it's amazing that that's the conversation that we get to have, that we no longer have to just hire um, skinny white models that we have to include everyone and that just makes for a much more rich and beautiful um, outcome I think. Do you feel like clients come to you and that's that they kind of know that they need to challenge them, themselves in that way or is it something that you they're looking you know do, do you have to kind of like lead them take them on a journey to get them to a place where because I suppose, to some extent, it's still a bit uncharted territory. I mean, yeah. people are used to selling things through sexy women displayed on sofas, and they're not necessarily used to selling them with people who are like in a more uh, representative. Uh, yeah, it definitely both. Um, we have clients that come to us who are way ahead of the curve. Who again are you know creating businesses in new categories that have never been created before. Um, you know, we've worked with several size-inclusive brands. Um, we've worked with several brands that um, work for women's safety, work for, you know, diversity, for, um, you know, helping people in every community from, you know, LGBTQ to, um, you know, people who are, you know, suffering from AIDS um, or other kinds of illnesses. So I think that it depends on the client. There are certainly clients that are uh, that come to us that are stuck in their old ways. They have been doing it for a long time. They they have had so much success from appealing to one type of person. You know, maybe it's a a wealthy middle aged white woman. But now, when they come to us, we have to bring up that conversation that they should be more you know representing diversity, re representing different body types or else they will age out very quickly. Their, their audience will um, grow up and become the, 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 the buyer for their brand and they won't find that brand appealing because it doesn't speak to them. So it goes both ways.
Uh, I also wanted to ask you just, you know, I think uh, I watched this talk that you gave um, where you spoke about the influence of, of kind of living in Paris when you were young and this sense of, of just like, it almost seemed like you were like, you were very conscious of this sense of discovery and you've tried to kind of maintain that or like bottle that for yourself to, to kind of continuously use. Do you think, do you think that is a good summary of, of that experience? Yeah, definitely. I think that um, my formative years were spent in Paris from 11 to 15. I lived there with my family. My dad's job at IBM got transferred there. So I had been interested in art and, um, you know, drawing and painting just prior to moving there. But I think that moving there was really the catalyst for becoming incredibly inspired by artists and art history and um, culture and fashion. And I was like a sponge. I was really soaking all of that up and simultaneously like, you know, a, a preteen who was watching, um, you know, European MTV and reading magazines like The Face and ID and um, really so inspired by all of those things. And all those things stayed with me all of these years. It's sort of like, you know, that that feeling that you get when you walk into an art gallery and you just feel this feeling of someone created these paintings from their soul level. And it's like that feeling is transferred to you. I'm always trying to like get back to that feeling, whether it's through, you know, the the creative ideas that come to me for brands that we work with or the creative ideas that come to me um, through working with Romance Journal and through really going deep into that well of creativity that I have that sometimes gets sort of pushed down from every day, running of a business, answering emails, you know, managing people, all that. Um, but yes, living in Paris was deeply, deeply, deeply formative and inspiring. And I think that that understanding art, understanding history through the lens of art history has really benefited me in so many ways because I can reference um, art historical time periods, artists, photographers, and how they all fit into the context of the things that we subconsciously see. So that often makes its way into the practice of graphic design and branding, you know, the choice of colors, the choice of um, styles and typefaces and styles and illustration, all those things, they all um, kind of relate back to just my, my passion for art and art history. Uh, you know, also it seems like the, that kind of chemi interpersonal chemistry is is very critical amongst the team here. And do you feel that's important also with your clients? Do you feel that chemistry, having a good chemistry with who you're working with is, is, is an important foundation? Absolutely. I think that that leads to the most successful uh, projects. I, those, uh, the chemistry is there, the trust is there, the, the ability to sit back and like laugh with them and um, you know not take it all so seriously because at the end of the day you know we are we're creating a brand we're not saving someone from you know life threatening <laughs> life threatening circumstances so uh, you know we just enjoy the the process so much especially if we have great chemistry with the clients um, and the team I mean our, we spend so much time together that it's so important that they all really respect and 
um, enjoy each other's presence because it's such a small, you know, stealthy team. If someone's in a bad mood one day, everybody can feel it. So we often talk about um, what we call transferences. If, if you are feeling some kind of pain or stress and you're bottling it up, everyone can still feel it. They can energetically still feel it. So um, to be able to be, the door is completely open. You can talk about anything that's on your mind. That's the kind of environment I've always wanted to have. And that I think we have now, if, if someone's really bothered by something, they need to uh, feel like they're in a safe environment to speak about that. And I think the same goes for a client. We need to create that safe environment for them to say, hey guys, I don't think that this is working or we would much rather go in this direction than that and, and not have sort of like a defensive um, backlash or tightening of the grip on um, our ideas or I think um, it's really important that we all feel like we are co-creating together and that it's not my idea or your idea, it's our ideas all together because it all it, we all work together. That was producer David Michon visiting Rowan Co. A big thank you from myself, Nick and Toby for listening. Thank you also to Rowan, Rebecca and Nikki at Rowan Co for their time to Sean Crook for editing this episode, to George Grinling for the theme music, and to Maeve Thought for Private View's visual identity. To find other episodes, head to Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. To find out more about Alfie, please visit our website, aufi.com. We're also on social media channels using the handle at askusforideas. And finally, please do share this episode, rate us on Apple Podcasts, and do listen to the others we've put out as part of this series. Until next time.